I have to consent. I've consented. <gasps> oh boy. Here we go, Mary. Oh, we're back. <laughs> it's season four of the Melrose Placecast, everybody. Oh my God. Are we going to get sued? Uh, sure. No, no. This is a parody podcast, so we're not going to get sued. And as a reminder to everybody going into season four, if you're still with us, this is not a parody. I'm sorry. Not a recap podcast. It is yeah. a parody podcast. Yeah. I, what are we parodying? <laughs> Anything that would get us sued. Okay, great. Okay. So season four, oh my God, I just can't wait to get started. I mean, we left with such a cliffhanger. The actual was bombing. There a, is there a bombing? I don't know yet. There was a bombing, Mary. We saw Kimberly press the button. Hey, well, I didn't see anything explode. And as, no, yes, we did. Because as we determined, the Lifetime movie of Melrose Place was canon. You saw the bombing. Kimberly is floating in the pool. Oh boy. So oh. that's official. And you know what else I'm so excited about? Darren Starr. Thank God he's gone and off oh, to Jersey or wherever. Wherever he went. You know, like out by where Sully landed that airplane. Oh, those geese were a real problem. They were a real problem. So with Darren's Darren's Star? Darren Star. Did I say Darren Spelling? You almost did. <laughs> Darren it would Star. with Aaron Spelling. So. Out of here. We got we, we, we got a good 12 characters on the credit scene. That's more than there's ever been. That's crazy. This intro is getting a little long. I think we should get started. <laughs> I got so lost. Anyway, season four of the Melrose Place cast begins right now. Thank God. Hello and welcome to the Melrose Place cast. Today we are talking about season four, episode 20 which is titled No Lifeguard on Duty, Parts 1 and 2. Because guess what? It was a goddamn double episode. I'm Mary. <laughs> and I'm Teej. This was the best. I've been waiting for this episode. I'm sure you were. I'm sure. <laughs> also, yet again, this title is in very poor taste. <laughs> I was wondering what you thought about that. Speaking of poor taste, do we have a guest with us? I think... Boo! <laughs> Boo! <laughs> Gail, welcome back. Thank you. I am so happy to be here. That was a very terrible introduction joke, but <laughs> I am happy to be here to be judging the Melrose Place once well, again. Yeah, I'm so glad you're here because uh, something's been happening in the podcast world since you were last uh, guest, which is mm. first, it took us uh, four months to get through these 10 episodes. And second, we've been becoming increasingly popular and famous. Do you? How many followers do you guys have? We don't get into that, but we do have fan mail that I get to read. Oh, I thought this was real. Sorry. No, it is. We've got an email. Mary, Have you? do you check this account? Do you know what message I'm talking about? I don't even remember what the email address is. No. at gmail.com, people. Email Look, us. I my mom's email my dad's email my work email i don't have any room left so right. i'm gonna let you start to that all right uh well first gail you might not know this the only messages that we get by email so far have been people yelling at me for jokingly calling kelly what's her face from 90210 in the first few episodes i kept calling her kelly kapowski from saved by the oh 
That's Saved by the Bell. Yeah, yeah of I can't course. And they're like, um, well, I was being funny. It was my joke, but I, you know, I have such a dry sense of humor, and people don't get it. People don't get it. Mm. But this email comes from our new friend Elizabeth from the great state of Oregon. Oh, yeah. So our listeners confirmed, Gail, our um, our good friend Christopher, and competition Christopher, <laughs> uh, Kamala Harris. Big fan, big fan. And now Elizabeth from Oregon. So we're, we're racking up on the West Coast. Here's what Elizabeth said. Email subject is vests with two exclamation points. <laughs> I already like it. Yes. <laughs> and she says, hello, you two kooky nuts. I like it even more. I know. I don't think she's gotten based on something I know she wrote later. I don't think she's gotten to the part where Richard says at the pool, you nuts while Joe is by the perfectly reasonably sized pool or telephone by the pool. That's a really specific reference. Yeah. Just in time. And somehow that. I got it. How is that from an episode that I've seen? <laughs> anyway, Elizabeth hey. says, hello, you two kooky nuts. I'm currently enjoying the middle slog of season two. Okay. Okay. You didn't have to call us a slog. I don't think she was calling us a slog. I think she was calling season two a slog. Okay. I'm currently enjoying the middle slog of season two and your double episode homage to vests is nothing less than ticklish. <laughs> now I do have to say, I went back to find out what double episode she's talking about. I have no idea. I remember talking about vests though. Oh, I wonder if you did two weeks in a row where that was your sponsor. Oh, because there was that vest Joe kept wearing that I was quite taken with for mm -hmm. a while. Yeah, yeah. Remember when we watched it live in 2015, you yelled, vest, vest, vest. Yeah. She never wears vests anymore. That's where the show went wrong. <laughs> that is where it went wrong. All right. Is nothing less than ticklish. I truly enjoy all of your thoughtful commentary, plus your obvious devotion to our sweet Matt. Oh. And mm -hmm. Rhonda's culinary funk. Oh, that makes my heart happy. Oh, she is a fan. Like that's a that it's a it's a oh. fan that gets that. She continues, "Your podcast fills my funeral home with quiet laughter often." This is just getting better and better. A big thank you from the Undertaker of Boring Oregon. Wow! It, indeed, she works at a funeral home in the city of Boring, Oregon. She's listening to this in the funeral home. That's amazing. <laughs> I ooh, I honestly thought she was living in a funeral home. I listen, oh, Elizabeth. We are so glad that to hear your fan, and we'll make this offer here on episode four twenty, which you'll get to in six months. Um, <laughs> if you want to come in and be a special guest, we will gladly swap oh. you in for Gail. Oh, That's God. very sweet. You should do that, Elizabeth. <laughs> All like, right, most people. He's, you know. <laughs> I, I think Gail responded positively before I finished my sentence, but that's okay. All right. Should we get started? Sure. Gail, top, top, of, the, top of the noggin, you know, uh, just, just after you noodle on it for a minute. Uh, what do you think of this week? Yeah. Um, that was a really fucking long episode. <laughs> Sorry, Gail. I didn't know it was a double. <laughs> okay, that, that's what you thought. 
<laughs> yep. Oh, I have been waiting for this episode with Brooke for a long time. A long time. And I'm glad it's here. That's what I think. All right. All right. All right. Can I tell you the first example of high art for the generations worthy of literary praise that I found? Yeah, please. I can't I, wait. I think it's particularly going to appeal to, to um, well, I won't say you two in particular. I will say, I think this argument will appeal to passive aggressive Midwestern women. Okay. If you happen to know any. I have, I'll, just, I'll just think on that. Yeah. I believe it's pronounced wasps. <laughs> uh, the quote is, I'm sorry, did I park in the middle of your company? Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't know Joe could be funny. Uh, it was pretty funny. That, was, that brought me more humor and delight than when she was trapped in the booby hatch. Oh, the booby edge. So the the reason this is high art for the generation is because Joe and Jane are being catty with each other over a boy. But so they're turning on each other, giving up their friendship over this boy, Richard. And now, because they have to coexist, they can't just openly like cat fight. Uh, I say in a non-sexist way. Normally two women fighting calling the cat fight is sexist, but not for me because of the gay. Um, so they have to be passive aggressive and it's almost like bringing a hot dish without cheese, right? Just to like stick it to the potluck organizer. Unless they don't like cheese. <laughs> oh, you're right. You know what, Mary? It would be like bringing a potluck with secret cheese. Don't put secret cheese in there. <laughs> it's just pepper jack. It's not even real cheese. Oh, God. Anyway, I thought that was high art because it did such a great job of capturing how when women like are holding a grudge at each other, that they can find ways to like press into each other's weak spots with their like Lee press on nails and just like press until it bleeds, but just a little bit and not until it's gushing. Why the hell are you talking like this? What do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> are what you talking is about this? My, my Milwaukee accent? This women and their press on nails. <laughs> it's like the Do... <laughs> um can I talk about this garage for a second? I wish you would. Where the fuck did this garage come from? <laughs> I have no idea. I've been watching this show for like 85 years. Feels like like there's no garage. There's never been a garage. Never been a fucking garage. Not a garage in sight. And I know we've had our differences in the past when I've asked some hard-hitting questions about the layout of this apartment complex right. and the possible appearance of apartments that didn't previously exist. But this garage did not exist before. I don't... Mm -hmm. There is no evidence ever in this show's history that there was a garage. Not only that... Uh... <laughs> Jake, apparently, I mean, one, they just introduced the garage like it's always been there, like like Jane having a younger sister, oh. right? Oh, and they thought they were being so slick because they have Jake walk in to go, oh, I've seen my garage before. Oh, have you? <laughs> oh, when? have you? Yeah. <laughs> was, was, it, was it when your business blew up and so you had nowhere to go? Was it when you, was it when you had no fucking money, but you're apparently paying rent on this huge ass garage for your bike that you fix in the pool anyway? 
he was always changing the oil next to the pool. Why would he have been doing that if there were a garage? Makes no sense. And Allison has been able to park Betsy right in front of Melrose Place every day with no concern. Amanda's poor Porsche has been able to park right in front of the gates of Melrose Place. Nary a parking ticket, even on trash day. Nobody cared. And yet Jake had both the free income and the wherewithal to go get a motherfucking garage, which then he gave to Joe? Let me tell you what. You just made a great point I hadn't even thought of. There is no way on God's green goddamn earth that if there were a garage this whole time that Amanda Woodward would have let Joe Reynolds park her shitty-ass sedan in there instead of her goddamn... (laughs) There is no way! No way, Melrose Riders! Oh, shit. Mary? Mary, I'm just realizing we've got a problem. What? I mean, you and I are pretty far out there on this now. Like, we've walked the plank on this garage. Does it make any logical sense? Uh-huh. Because it going back, it, like, it made no sense. Uh, it could have come with shooters. It could have come with shooters? Yeah, like, the timing on that would make sense. Because Jake hasn't been fixing the bike in the pool anymore. But there's never been a garage ever they literally haul old futons and mattresses down to the basement to store things. There's a huge set of shelves in this garage. There's no way. What? No, that it, this is, garage was built for this episode. This is the I, I agree. I agree. The writers fucked up. The writers fucked up. For once, Mary, we finally we got them, ladies and gentlemen. We got them. The writers fucked up. But I think our 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 explanation of it going all the way back to season one may be unfounded. Because I think Jake could have got it with shooters. Well, where the garage is at the apartment building. It's not at shooters. No, no, no. I mean shooters is at the apartment building. Sandy walked home from shooters with her stalker following her with a clip clop of their heels. Next, they're not adjacent. It's like a couple blocks away. Yeah, I don't know. Even so, I'm with you. This they just made it up. They just made it up and expected us to believe it because Jane needed a place for her company that Joe could park in. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Gail, do you have a position on the existence of the garage? <laughs> um, I honestly don't think I could add anything to the lively discussion that we just got to listen to. All right. Well, can I just talk a little bit about what's happening with Jane's company? Because I thought it was, I, I mean, interesting is not the word for anything with Jane, but it's just noteworthy. I'll say that. Sure. I mean, for posterity, sure. Yeah, so my first note said, Jake apparently has a garage, question (laughs) mark. And Jane wants it for her business. Like, first of all, no, you don't want this garage for your business. What are you talking about? This is not a good bit. This is not a good location to design your hideous gowns. They are hideous. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, Jane and Jake are talking, and Jane says she assumed that their kiss last week, where, Gail, you didn't see this. Uh, You didn't know this. Jane was um, paralyzed last episode. Oh, my God. Yeah, she's been paralyzed for a couple weeks. And then Jake came in, and Jane was swimming, doing, like, water aerobics, and he crouched down, and she, like, pulled him into the pool. Dirty fucking shoes and all. Street shoes. Street shoes, which we now see he was walking through this goddamn garage in and then drags those shoes into the pool and they made out. And Jane says, I assumed that was a sort of an I'm happy you can walk again kiss. Oh, who among us hasn't had one of those? Well, I was going to say, is that all you got to do to get a 
get a good makeout sesh with a with a hottie. Get paralyzed and walk again. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> as a result, Jake kicks Joe out of the garage. Jake and or Joe and Jane have a little bitch fest about it, a little cat fight, a little, little little girl time. Started with Joe saying, I'm sorry, did I park in the middle of your company? And Jane gets real snotty, real bitchy, real cunty back. And Jake overhears it and then becomes very cold to Jane about it. Did that seem justified? None of this is justified. <laughs> like, none of this really makes any sense. And that's why you can't look at it too closely. Because Jane would just go get another job and place like yeah. she has name recognition in the context of the show like she wouldn't need to be working out of her garage yeah. or someone's garage i don't know where the garage came from again um and i honestly don't think what joe why would joe care anymore at this point except that jane is macking on jake and yeah. so then have like a four-way love way instead of a triangle yeah well richard comes by the company and says buyers won't be knocking down your garage door <laughs> you know with amanda's storyline being so boring and uninspired lately they, they did really take the salty writers and apply them elsewhere well she so. she got a few good salty shakes in here and there this episode yeah anyway so richard is pushing his team really hard and joe pushes back and then quits and they break up but then they get back together jane is pushing jake and he's mad at her for the fight with joe blah 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 and to get back together with Joe because she said, just, I don't know, do something impulsive. Jump in the pool with your clothes on. So she comes back and Richard falls in the pool with his clothes on. Two episodes in a row, these dumb motherfucking men putting their shoes in the pool. Don't do that. Get those dirty shoes out of my pool. Yeah, go take them to Jake's garage. Who? Okay, Be before we move on, here's the real question. Which other tenant of Melrose Place have a secret garage. A secret garage? Yeah, if Jake's been hiding one all this time, who else do you think's got one? Oh, this is a rhetorical question. I thought there was something I was forgetting. Um, I think it's just Jake. There's just one garage. In all of LA? Yeah. No, at Melrose Place. Yeah. Could be. Who else have a garage like of these people? I mean, Michael had the garage where Sydney and Kimberly tried to kill him. That's, that's the... over at the beach house. Yeah. I mean, Amanda. If I mean, if anyone's buying a garage, it's Amanda. See, I don't think anyone bought a garage. I think it's implied this garage is part of the Melrose Place structure. Because why else would Joe be parking in there? I mean, Amanda. If it was part of Melrose Place, Amanda's parking there. Yes, and that's why this whole the garage is a fallacy. It does not exist. They made this up for one episode. We might see it like one or two more times, and I bet we never see the garage again because it doesn't exist. Still, the likeliest explanation is it's linked to shooters. I, that, I mean, know. that's the I, only thing that in universe can make sense. Why would shooters have a garage? I, why would Melrose Place have a garage? Well, Melrose Place at least is an apartment complex where, like, okay, there's people like you. You you might possibly see a garage. It's not that Melrose Place could not have a garage. Let me be clear. It's that it never has before. Yeah. It's we're four seasons in. We've had multiple incidents where a garage would have been relevant and usable, and now today is the first time 
oh, I, I, this is my garage. What's the big deal? Like, because it didn't exist yesterday, Jake. <laughs> I'm very upset. You know what? You know what? I uh, one of our robot remixes should be uh, garage sales on Metro's place. What, I, are, what are you going to find? I hope that you do that. That would be great. All right. Well, Mary, you're up next. I want to just say there was so much to pick from that was trash <laughs> episode that I really had a hard time. So, like, I had to leave. I had to just pick eventually. And so my first one is, it seems to me that a homer ought to be worth a lot more than a base hit. <laughs> Sydney! Um, Sydney. So this kind of kicks off Peter stops at attorney Alicia's office. And he's trying to get Bobby gossip, and she lets it slip that Bobby usually has a thing for redheads, so we all can guess where this is going. Sydney uh, walks into work, and she has gotten an adorable haircut. She looks dynamite. Peter's like, you look great. Come in my office. How would you like to earn some extra cash with that pretty little smile of yours? He wants her to try to seduce Bobby, or uh -huh. at least like get him interested, and he'll compensate her. And she's like, why do you think I would sleep with someone for money anymore? <laughs> uh, he tells her first base is a grand, second base is two, third base is three. And she's like, all right. Uh, she's insulted, but what's in it for Peter? And he's like, well, Bobby has a soft spot for redheads, and I have one for Amanda. And she's like, okay, back to the baseball stuff. It seems to me that a homer ought to be worth a lot more than a base hit. Say 7500 if he slides across my plate. Oh, my God. What a classy I show. felt dirty just hearing that. <laughs> and, and that is not easy for me. Um, she says if she's going to be a star player, she needs a new uniform, a slinky one. So he's going to take care of that. He goes to a department store and, of course, bumps into Amanda, who's trying on a dress because they're all going to go to the same stupid party. Uh, he, when she walks away, is mad at her. So he tells the clerk to get the same dress. He wants to buy the same dress. Mm -hmm. uh, they show up. And they're in the same dress at the hospital gala. Uh, Sydney didn't know that they'd be in the same dress. So she said that'll cost him an extra grand. Um, Amanda does, literally goes like, how dare you? It's very funny to me. They Anyway, um, they're all kind of bickering. Uh, Bobby goes to get drinks and Sydney follows him. Mm -hmm. And so she gets over there and she's like, oh, would you order me a pink lady? And he does. And then she's like, oh, I'm getting a little warm. There's, and he says there's a terrace. And she's like, those are for two. And he kind of keeps turning her down. Amanda comes over and catches wind of this and pretends to dump her glass of wine. Well, she does. She pretends to trip and dumps her glass of wine all over Sydney's dress. She calls her a $2 hooker. You just have a new pimp. Mm -hmm. Sydney's not happy about it. Um, Peter calls Sydney the next day and asks how much he owes her. She says nothing. She barely got a smile out of him, but she says, he's just a man. I got to figure out what his weak spot is. She shows up at Bobby's office and drops her cable box on his desk, which I thought was a funny move. <laughs> and she said, my reception sucks. And he's like, my cable company isn't operational yet, so it's not my problem, basically. She's like, oh, I heard your family's a little... And she makes this gesture, which I took to mean like crooked, but maybe it's like a mafia thing I'm unfamiliar with. I thought crooked too, because she bent her nose. Yeah. And so she starts asking questions about how she's seen the Godfather 11 times. Is he more like Al Pacino or James Caan? And he's not amused, but polite. And he sort of pulls her up by her, the neck of her shirt and like gets her to leave. Uh, he hands her the cable box as she goes. 
and she's like oh nice guys make me nervous you're nice and polite like a freak of nature and he does smile after she leaves uh peter calls sydney at work and she's fired not as the receptionist but as his not a hari which i feel is probably a racist thing to say but i don't know what it means so i <laughs> don't know what that no, i'll just repeat it on this recording yeah i'm very sorry i did not take the time to google this because again yeah <laughs> was very long um, <laughs> calm down so it was long. not that long it really was it really was um peter's like you like him don't you she's like no and peter says he's not even that good looking and sydney's like yeah but he's strong and courageous and down to earth the kind of man that makes a woman like her want to change her ways and peter's like well that's fine but i'm not paying for this anymore and he tells her to hand <laughs> over the dress and it got ruined in the line of duty he tells her to unruin it she says, Amanda was right to choose Bobby over a meanie like you. And she leaves and Peter goes, I'm not a meanie. Which made me <laughs> yeah, she really used the word meanie. And then so did he. <laughs> Again, my favorite Peter is when he's sort of like the dad that's frustrated with everyone else. And so I like whenever he's like, no, I'm not doing that. What are you doing? Oh. You know, Peter, he's got that like the dad from Seventh Heaven vibes about him when he gets like that. Yeah, he's a little huffy, a little pouty. Like, can you? Yeah, I can't even believe this. Whose joint is it? <laughs> We're watching a lot of Seventh Heaven lately. <laughs> anyway, this was wonderful trash. I love Sydney as always. I love her haircut. She looks great. Um, she's just cute. I can see, you know, if I were Bobby, I'd probably fall for her because she's great. Um, Gail, what have you been thinking of Sydney this week? I've had a lot of ups and downs, if I'm honest. Um, <laughs> I was trying to reflect on this as I was watching this extremely long episode of like, am I supposed to be liking her right now? Am I supposed to be cheering for her? Um, I'm quite confused as how we got here. I have to say the last 10 episodes contained a lot. Mm -hmm. <laughs> No, um, again, again, they are available for you to watch them. I actually don't know how to do that. Um, uh, I'm sorry. For the record, you are the one that found us every episode of Models Incorporated. Full, uncut, so that we could finish the show. So I am sure you could find a way. I actually don't know anything about what you just mentioned. You sent it to me on a flash drive through the U.S. Postal Service. And you cannot legally prove it. <laughs> I, um, Bless yes. Sydney's kind of wilding out. I actually wrote down, it's a fucking wonder that Sydney has not been murdered. <laughs> like, specifically <laughs> thinking about when she called Bobby a mafia boss. <laughs> Like, how is this woman alive? Okay. She, she gets away with it. She's cute. She's adorbs. Okay, Gail, so Sydney has been dressed in increasingly intriguing outfits these last 10 episodes. I think it actually settled down a little bit this week. Yeah. It caused the other podcast to wonder if, like, she had lost a bet on set and they were, like, trying to pick the weirdest outfits for her. But then... Last week, and Mary, I think it will be okay with our listeners if we revisit the scene one more time. What? 
the scene with Sydney and Michael where he said that's revolting. Did you watch six times? What? With Gouvernais. Oh my god. <laughs> I don't remember. You don't oh, oh my eating the bagel. Yeah. Is talking about Oh, okay, so last week's episode, now I rewatched this, I want to emphasize three times, because I thought I was seeing things. Sydney's sitting at her desk at work, Gail, and she's got a bagel sliced in half. And so she, there's a jar of peanut butter sitting there, and so she's smearing peanut butter on the bagel. And meanwhile, she and Michael are doing a scene. They're talking. Like, there's a whole, the conversation is unrelated to the bagel. Um, she's smearing peanut butter on it, and then they kind of cut away, and there's another jar of something sitting there, but you don't see what the label is, and it's like white, and she's smearing it. And eventually, Michael goes, are you putting peanut butter and mayonnaise on that bagel? And she's like, yeah. And she starts chowing down. And I'm like, what the fuck is happening? It was odd. I didn't know that was a thing. Yeah, that's Gail, fucking wild. Gail, what do you put your peanut butter and mayonnaise combo on? I don't mix those two things. I actually don't eat not either of them often. <laughs> It's just the continue. Wait, I mean, there's been this weird thing happening with Laura Layton that I really think the other podcasts were onto something about. Like, she lost a bet, or they're just trying to see how wild they can get her to go. Because that fucking scene was crazy. And she's been dressed like, what would I? I would describe the style as very like Jackie Kennedy. Like, there's been a lot of like little '60s dresses and. Like big poofed up hair with ribbons in it. It's it's been great. I've liked it, but it's weird. I can see the Jackie Kennedy influence in this episode. Jackie Kennedy without the class. You know? Jackie <laughs> Kennedy as a yeah. two dollar hooker with a new with a new madam. <laughs> as they say. Well, Gail, I was, listen, I'm so geared up for another example of high art for the generations worthy of literary praise, but you are our honored special guest. And so I would love to cede the time to you. Thank you. Um, I, I gotta bring up some trash. No, um, no, no, Gail, Gail, I d- reclaiming my time. Um, I do have to say it was probably the funniest thing i have seen in melrose place okay um i had to pause because i was laughing so hard but uh we will get to that part but we are going to begin with um pretty early in the episode michael is following kimberly around as usual michael i don't really understand where their relationship is at right now. I figured it out pretty soon that Kimberly does not want anything to do with Michael, but Michael is trying to win her back or whatever. Um, It comes out that uh, Kimberly's stalker is using his phone privileges at j- in jail to call her and threaten her. And Michael's like, oh, I, I have a cop that I once did a bypass surgery on. Let me call him up and see what he can do. He calls this cop and this cop convinces the judge to give him five years for stalking. And then, by some grace of God, there's a clerical error and um, this quote 
gets to happen. There's a receptionist at the hospital a while later who stops Michael in the hallway and says, hey, you know that guy you asked about accidentally got released from jail? And he goes, what? And she's like, Uh yeah, an accident. (laughs) Which is fantastic. And then things happen. An accident, whatever. Just like joyfully. Um, Kimberly goes out to her car. Vic, the stalker, is in her back seat and she's being kidnapped. Um, and Michael is running out of the hospital and sees this happen and tries to stop the car, but doesn't know how to stop it. But he stops the florist's car <laughs> and, he, and he pulls the florist out of his vehicle. Because he's a doctor. And says, I'm a doctor. Ah! This is an emergency. I Listen, listen, we should all try that at some point. Just like go in. This, um, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to go to my favorite coffee shop. Not my favorite. A, a new coffee shop in a new town. And I'd be like, yeah. I'm a doctor. I need a nice soy latte right now. It is an emergency. And if they don't move post haste, I will just hop the counter and be like, let me have the espresso machine. We gotta get this moving. <laughs> I think it should be fine. I'd like to see it. <laughs> you know what? When when I come to see you in your little town, I will do it. Yeah, thank you. That sounds nice. Um Yeah, so that I think is the funniest thing I have ever seen in Melrose Place. I like the florist ga- going, hey man, you can't do this. As Michael speeds away in his, like, I don't know, hatchback. And it we turn into a high-speed ch- car chase that finishes at a propane tank fire. Um, <laughs> which really just brings home the trash of this. That, like, we couldn't have gotten any different ending besides a propane tank explosion. <laughs> There are so many explosions on this show. I mean, yeah, you gotta have them, right? I guess they they really propel the plot. Right after this, I did write down: these people get into too many accidents. How do they actually have jobs? Were jobs just easier in the nineties? Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. I mean, there was no email. You know, like you didn't continue working when you were off work. Well, I don't do that. <laughs> yeah, we remember. <laughs> well, I think, listen, um, that uh, cessation of my time did not go according to plan. So I feel like I need a break to refresh and recharge and regroup. This week's episode of the Melrose Place cast is generously supported by the following sponsor. Ugh. Don't you just hate it when your apartment building is high on pool-related deaths and short on storage areas? Oh, God. Every time you need to haul an old futon frame out of your place, you got to drag it all the way down the stairs to the inexplicable basement slash laundry room. And those stairs are rickety. And, like, Mm -hmm. at least two people have been attempted to be murdered on them. Mm -hmm. It's terrible. Well, great news. Now you can solve your storage crisis in a snap. Jiffy Garage! <laughs> Did you say Jake's Jiffy Garage? It should be Jake's Jiffy Garage. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> Hot damn. I love a Jiffy garage. Jake's Jiffy garage is the only garage on the market that appears immediately out of nowhere. Never had a garage before, but now you need one. Like right now, don't worry about it. There's a garage there now. Just, yeah. oh, there it is. There's a garage. Boom. And you, listen, you can park right in the middle of my company. <laughs> What's really great about Jake's Jiffy garage is that it just it just is there like you think it and then it's there it just manifests it's like manifest destiny but for a garage it comes with whatever features you want it to have it could have shelves it might have room for one car two cars three cars whatever you want you could have light fixtures maybe some windows maybe there's like a dirty old oil spot on the floor you cover with a piece of cardboard or not it's whatever you decide right now whatever's in your imagination is now real even if you've never had one before. What a dream. Um, yeah, I mean, literally from a dream, right? It is. It really is. Mm -hmm. um, Jake's Jiffy Garage doesn't have a website yet because they just made it up. So you oh. can't go to the website. That's but, okay. That's okay. But the great part is, you know what the original website was, Teach? No. Your imagination is the ah. internet. Yeah, so you, you close your eyes and you open yeah. up Mind Browser and you picture a garage, and whoof, there it'll be wherever you want at any did time. You, did you say Mind Browser? Yeah, it's, you open your Mind Browser. Mm -hmm. That's your imagination. Oh, fresh tab. I love a good. I love a good fresh tab. Do you know how many open tabs are in my Mind Browser? The answer is too many. <laughs> how many of them have pictures of guys holding fish? It may be slowing down my performance. <laughs> I probably should do a defrag, but I won't because I'm too busy daydreaming up these garages with Jake's Jiffy Garage. I got to tell you, Alan should do a defag. He should go back to the straight. Oh, 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 oh. That's I, I love this Jake's Jiffy Garage business. It's really something, isn't it? You know, I got to tell you, Mary... I've been thinking, <clears throat> I've been collecting awkward Valentine's Day cards that I don't want to put out and Beanie Babies. And I, I just, I'm all out of room in my totes and I don't know what to do. Well, I mean, God, the answer seems a little obvious, Teach. If only there was a space with shelving. God, why can't we get some shelving? Well, I have great news. What you want to do. Okay. Go into your mind browser. My mind browser. You open up that tab. Click clack, right. click clack. Clickety clack on those keys. Click click clack clack. And you just picture picture your garage that you want and it'll be there. Oh. With the power of your imagination. And Jake's Jiffy Garage. Jake's Jiffy Garage. I can't wait. I can't wait. And do you know what I'm so excited about for Jake's Jiffy Garage happening on Melrose Place? What? It's only a matter of time until two characters are going to hook up in this Jiffy Garage. Oh, right. Yeah. Now, the real question is just where and how and when. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Three questions, technically. That's Jake's Jiffy Garage. He says, I've seen my garage before. What's the big deal? <laughs> <laughs> they really wanted us to think it was always there. I just don't like when the show does this to me. Like, 
they could have just made up a story and said like, "Hey, this garage next door was available to rent." But no, they had to build this lie, didn't they? They could have. They could have said it came with shooters. They could have done that, right? And they, they all they would have had to say is, "Joe walks two blocks to park her car," or that Jane just rented some other garage nearby, or like a normal person who designs clothes and probably wouldn't want them to smell like garage, maybe an office. <laughs> yes, yes, but what if they smell like garage? Oh well, Jake's Jiffy garage. Boy, boy, what a fine smelling place that could be in your imagination. Whatever <laughs> you want it to smell. I got to tell you, I, th- I think when I think of Jake's, Jif- Jake's Jiffy Garage, I think it, I think it's going to smell like accelerant. I think it's going to smell like blowtorch. <laughs> I think it's going to smell like burned. I think there's going to be a little bit of like a jalapeno popper smell from shooters too. Like just in the background, like yeah, it's gonna have some of the popper smell. Yeah, those poppers. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna have that. Um, I like. I agree with the accelerant. Mm-hmm. Uh, gonna smell. It's gonna smell like a motorcycle parked next to a pool. For many seasons now, inexplicably, apparently there was a garage here. Judy, just let it go. I I can't. I can't. This is going to haunt me for as long as we watch this show, which seems forever. You know, I am quite confident, Mary. Six months from now, we'll be recording an episode, and I, not you, will bring up the garage, and you'll be like, I forgot about that. What are you talking about? That never happened. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Jake's Jiffy Garage. I've seen my garage before. What's the big deal? And we are back for the second half of season four. Gail, can you believe we're on season four? It does seem like a long time. Yeah. Episode <laughs> 20 of the Melrose Place cast. We are discussing the episode titled No Lifeguard on Duty, parts one and two. And this week, Gail watched the episode because uh, we didn't fuck it up. Do you remember when we did that, Gail? Yes, I do. I do remember that. I am glad that I get text the na- the title of the episode now. Although I do oh. admit I didn't check. I just checked to see if it was a fucking hour and a half long. And I figured that was the right one. Sorry. I didn't know this was that long. <laughs> I mean, she still would have invited you. You're always her special guest. So I'm a really good special guest. You're great. Yeah. Yeah. You're simply Why? the best. Why try and all the rest? Wow. Take it away, Mary. Take it away. Well, it's a little awkward because I was going to talk about what Gail talked about. (laughs) (laughs) So I just want to second everything Gail said, especially the part where Michael steals the florist's car. That that backseat full of like leaves and like baby's breath bouncing around. Like kudos, kudos to whoever came up with that plan. That was wonderful. Uh, But as I said earlier, is a there's a just a bonanza of trash in this episode. So let me see. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about Matt. I don't talk about Matt mm. often. I wasn't even gonna talk about him. I wasn't either, but here he is. <laughs> just like the show sometimes remembers Matt's here. So did I. <laughs> um, so Matt. Um, Matt, as we'll recall, well, Gail won't, but, but he has a boyfriend now named Alan, who is an actor. Who got a job? Now, Alan has been a bit of a struggling actor. Gail, he uh, does not have a checking account. 
-hmm. does not have much of a job history. He was, Mm -hmm. I think, homeless when Matt met him. Mm -hmm. Um, And he moved in very quickly. So, um, meanwhile, Matt is, he's studying to be a doctor. I don't know if they actually mentioned that in this episode. So he has left social services and they've been replaced by another gay, Dave. Yeah. The only gays in social work. Which is actually, I think, not wrong. Anyway, so he bumps into Dave at the hospital who invites him to go to the dance-a-thon. Uh, and Matt's like, I think I'm going with my boyfriend, Alan. And Dave's like, maybe we could do that. We could meet you there. And he's like, well, I don't know. It's weird because my boyfriend's on a soap opera where he's a heterosex machine. Dave's like, uh, well, if that's bothering you, like it probably bugs your boyfriend too. Like It's hard to be a gay person trying to fit into this other world. And Matt's like, he's just after doing his job. And Dave's like, what if it's a red flag about his sexuality? A lot of people are sexually ambiguous. And I'm like, this seems like a swing, Dave. Okay, but all right. <laughs> what do I know? Um, later, Matt and Alan are at dinner at a very dark restaurant. This is one of my favorite parts of the episode because I could relate because I'm getting old. Matt is like, it's so dark in here. I can't see the menu. And Alan's trying to talk about their relationship. And oh then Matt's like, I, that's like, I need a flashlight to even see this menu. And I was like, yes, sir. <laughs> I understand. Uh, Alan's like, I know it's not easy to watch my character being a horn dog, but I don't enjoy it. And that's like, it's so dark in here, I can't see my hand in front of my face. <laughs> this is like going out to dinner with my parents, and it really made me laugh. Um, Alan's like, it's supposed to be romantic. Uh, Kennedy used to bring Marilyn Monroe here, and Matt's like, yeah, he was trying to keep that under wraps, too. <laughs> that was a good line. That was a good line. So basically, Matt is mad because she thinks Alan is hiding him and trying to go back in the closet. And Alan's like, I'm just trying to take us out for a nice dinner. And Matt's like, I'm sorry, I'm so testy. It's just when you love someone, you don't want to have to hide it. You want everyone to know. Alan's like, do you realize you just said the L word? And Alan's like, he takes his hand. He doesn't say he loves him back. Oh, no, he does say that. Never mind. My notes are bad. Anyway, uh, so that was a weird scene. But again, very charmed by how angry Matt was that it was dark because it's hard to see. And I didn't get the bifocals because I couldn't get them to work for my eyes. So I have to do that thing now where you take your glasses up and down. You can't see. Anyway, it's hard when it's dark. Anyway, later, Matt walks up to his door and there is a man blocking the door who says, you can't go in. We're filming. He pushes past and Alan is being interviewed, presumably by the soap opera people. And he's going on and on about, oh, I have this nice apartment now. Thank God the fans like me and Matt's by the door and he kind of moves his head like, hey, get out. And that's like, oh, I just came to grab a book. And the director's like, oh, is this your roommate? And Alan's like, oh, yeah, yeah. Now back to how my life has changed. The director asks if he's in a relationship and Alan says, no, he's single and loving it. Matt is mad and leaves and Alan runs after him. He's like, hey, baby, I got to say stuff like that. Matt says, no, you don't. You don't have to say anything unless you want to. You can start looking for a new apartment where you can really be single and loving it. Matt, he's getting salty. Um, She's a salty queen. She's a salty queen. Cut to the dance-a-thon. Dave from Social Services walks out and finds Matt, and he's happy to see him. But then Alan shows up, and it's like, wah, wah. And... They introduces him to Dave from Social Services. Alan is kind of like, yeah, right. He puts his hand on Matt like, all right, this is my, this is my boy. Later the next day, Alan shows up at the hospital or the next day or something. And he's like, Matt, it's all your fault. 
his agent received a fax from a tabloid and they have pictures of them at the dance-a-thon they're gonna put in the next issue and that's like you look great <laughs> what are you worried about um alan's like the caption's gonna read alan and his unidentified gay lover and that's like uh who cares who cares and alan says the network's gonna care they're gonna they want me to see them they're gonna write me off the show and that's like well you can just sue them like i did <laughs> alan's like uh i can't be gay the audience won't accept it and matt says no you won't accept it you think your fans are homophobic try looking in the damn mirror bah, bah, bah. um mm-hmm. I I wish I get the show. If this were real life, Matt would have probably already broken up with Alan because they're not they don't they don't make any sense together. They don't even seem to really like each other very much. And he would be going out with Dave from social services. But because this is a soap opera, I there, how many more episodes are going to drag this out for? What do you think? Like three, four, rest of the well, season? I bet he makes it till the end of the season. I think so. Do you think he'll end up on the same soap opera as Sandy from season one? <laughs> I would like that. I would like that too. Oh, these gays. You know what? These fucking closet homos have no right being involved with Matt. They have to stop that. They need to leave him alone. Just let him go be with Dave from social services. They're cute. Let him be with the yeah. They can understand each other. They can say, Oh, you think you think it's crazy in the kitchen at home. Wait, you should see it in social services. And Matt would say, I know already. That does sound like a really wonderful relationship. <laughs> he likes to go to the dance-a-thon. They can go to the dance-a-thon, whatever that is. You love, you love to dance. You, lo- you love a good dance when you're an adult, right? Like, you, you go through phases as a gay where you're, you start out going to wild canyon parties and mm-hmm. calling young Latino boys essay. Then you gotta, Then you got to do a couple employers. For discrimination you got to get a couple bashings done to you you gotta make your yeah. father proud of you and i then... <laughs> would like to rewind <laughs> <laughs> out of wherever this is heading Where did um, that so many places <laughs> rewind be kind rewind Okay, I'm rewinding out of um out of this. I will talk about Matt because I wrote Matt a I wrote about Matt a lot too. Um, I like that Matt stood up for himself. Mm-hmm. I did read that as a breakup. Um, and then I realized that wasn't true. But <laughs> uh, one I will say that while I was watching. Um, Tiege, I was thinking about a high art point being how many breakups were in this episode. (laughs) And then they all fucking got back together. So, Mm -hmm. um, I was really happy to see Matt, although I didn't really, I was kind of shipping Matt and David, um, but David had some like weird anti-bisexual undertones right there in the beginning. Oh, so that was oh, no, a weird No, 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 no. no, no, no. Oh, okay, right. That was there was there was the time, right? Bisexual was just a, a stepping stone at the time. Not to imply that there weren't genuine bisexuals. However, the 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 clear trend line 
for gays coming out, it was started as bisexual because then you can tell your parents you'll still have kids. But it's really not true. Like, so I, that made sense in the context of the time. It, it wasn't anti-bisexual. It was just, it was just uh, bisexuals didn't exist. See how that's not anti-bisexual. Oh <laughs> uh, I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm telling you, uh, find some gays of a certain age, elder millennial gays, and will I say, yes, of course bisexuals existed, but not really. I, I, I think that statement is going to hold up. In court? <laughs> In court. God damn it. These mother, I can, I can name names. How many names do you want? <laughs> I don't want any names. <laughs> I can describe them. Oh, well, can I, this is so awkward about my next high art point. Cause I also was going to talk about Kimberly and Michael. <laughs> How? I'll just touch on it briefly so as not to revisit. And then I do have a backup higher point. But I had Vic of the course. stalker when he was uh, holding Kimberly hostage. And he said, um, in anger, I'd have to hurt you the way you hurt me. And I thought, not that I support or I'm a fan of this or just because I'm calling it high art does not mean I think it's good. Just that it reflects reality. I think they cast Vic as the original incel. And he captured that uh sense of white male rage and entitlement uh realistically uh specifically in this case entitlement to the female body which he does not have but he felt like he should because he was sexually attracted to kimberly so that was where i was going to go i was going to talk about incels to kind of uplift us did we gail do you know what happened with vic and kimberly had that happened the last time you watched i don't remember i don't believe so no Oh, well, so in this season, Kimberly has uh, con committed a terrorist bombing, blew up the building, uh, been committed, stabbed a pencil through her doctor's hand and threatened to jump off the roof of the building. Then she got a job with Dr. Joyce Brothers as her fill-in, mm -hmm. uh, but she had to use a waffle iron to break her, her wrist uh, GPS device off, smashing her wrist to pieces. Mm-hmm. Which she taped up with a bandage and was cured within a week. She's got like a lot happening. She's got like Wolverine healing powers, basically. Yeah. And then to to get released from prison, uh, she was in the care of Peter Burns, um, an appendectomist <laughs> who had a sign off on her psychological well-being to become a psychiatrist who was treating Sydney. Yes, okay, the this is familiar. Husband. And the and victim of her bombing. So Vic was a fan of her radio show because eventually she got her own radio show, mm -hmm. kind of like Lila, where she would give yeah. people relationship advice. And Vic was a repeat caller who eventually they met up and they had some freaky times, if you will. Mm -hmm. But then he sort of kidnapped her and locked her in a building that was condemned. And she had to kick her way out. <laughs> like you do. Yeah. So, so there's that. Anyway, uh, I instead will make my high art point of American capitalism is fucked up and every single goddamn corporation you are involved with, have worked for, are a member of, participate in, will gladly fucking fuck you over for profit. 
You should not trust any of them, as is evidenced by Amanda Woodward saying, if she's not here in the next five minutes, I won't be able to fire her until after lunch. <laughs> uh, that was a good line. Listen, the Bernie bros were wrong about a lot. They were awful. I still don't like them. And I know just by saying that on recording, one of them is going to find this and yell at me, but they can fuck off. But what they were right about is this absolute distrust of corporate America. Because here we've got Brooke, poor sweet Brooke. By the way, Mary, did you find her to be a sympathetic character by the end of this episode? Oh. I think a little bit, but solely on the basis of Kristen Davis, because I think she's a really good actress. Mm. And I think I don't like, as Amanda, I believe, put it, or, or Allison said, something like to the effect of like I feel sorry for you but I don't like you or something like that or like mm -hmm. you make it really hard to like you and I think that sums it up with Brooke like but I felt sure. bad for, there's like some little scenes there were, were genuinely like the one where she was walking down the street and she was sad and the guy bumped under her like get out of my way and she started to cry like I felt bad for her then um mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but then she's such a petulant little brat that it's like well yeah she keeps making it worse so I don't know well, what about you me? Yeah, I was sympathetic to her, but I was always had a soft spot for Kristen Davis. But do you do you two do you think she's alive or dead? If she's not dead, she will be soon. Right. Cause like either she's gonna die and drown in the pool, or they're gonna do like a Bobby Parisi and she'll be in the hospital and they'll someone will unplug her or something. Gail, what do you think? Can she live through this bump on the head? I hope she's dead. Fair. Uh, Fair enough. <laughs> I mean, she's she's a lot right now. I got to say, this episode, she is left to right in two seconds. Um, she is sexually assaulting Billy. Like, <laughs> I mean, they are married. Like, they are married. And in the 90s, I believe you, like, <laughs> legally, legally, right? There was, the, there was that exception. Donald Trump said it. Oh, boy. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, she is all over the place right now. All right. Well, poor Brooke. Her credit card is declined at the Beverly Hilton. Billy, Billy turns out to have shut off the credit card because he's a beast. Uh, she's begging the bank for money because she's broke and over John and they won't give her money. Allison is trying to help and Brooke is refusing. Allison is very sympathetic to Brooke, who by the way, is her daughter-in-law. <laughs> That's right. I don't know if Gail is aware of that. Did Gail, well, did you know Allison yeah. married Brooke's daddy? Yeah. It's, it's stepdaughter, not daughter-in-law. That's right. Billy is her son-in-law. Yes. Mm -hmm. Stepson-in-law. Right. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah, well, who cares? The, what a anyway, uh, this is all going on. Allison's the only one being kind of to Brooke, even lets Brooke move into her apartment, to which Billy yelled. I, I thought that, that didn't make sense. Billy was like, get her the fuck out of here, Allison. I don't want her here. Did that make sense? No. I don't know about these writers. Allison together. Like, they weren't together last week. 
They kind of aren't this week, so who cares what he thinks? That's it. My answer at all times is who cares what Billy thinks, but especially right now. Yeah. Brooke had to break, fake the flu because Allison was going to come kick her out, so all that did was delay. Uh, I did know Billy took – or Brooke took the keys to Billy's apartment, her apartment. She's still on the lease. She has every right to walk into that apartment. She has every right to go into that bed. She can wear whatever the fuck she wants in that bed. She's an independent woman. So that's just my feminism. Anyway, uh, Brooke is turning down every offer of help. Amanda even tries to help, and Brooke says, why? So I can go to my lousy job and work for my bitch of a boss? When then she <laughs> she gets fired, they kick her out. She's walking the streets, just heartbroken, dejected, essentially being like, nobody loves me, nobody cares. She gets bumped by a stranger, and then she... She to set the scene for us to make sure we all know no one's coming to help her. We think she says nobody's home, and then she falls, bonks her head, and is floating in the pool. Funky. Wait, did you miss? I think one of the best lines of the episode. What was it? She yells, "It's just two pea brains and a couple of sluts." <laughs> I have. Yeah, two t- two pea brains and a couple of sluts. I hate you. That should have been the episode title. That's what they should have called this one. Two pea no one is here. Nobody cares. Boom, crash, floating in the pool. I did really enjoy that little scene between Amanda and Allison when Amanda says, if she's not here in five minutes, I have to fire her after lunch. Because that goes on. And Allison's like defending her. And Amanda's like, you know... Here, I wrote it down. We all have unseen pressures. Guns pointed at our heads. Not all of us let it affect our work. <laughs> like, what the fuck is this show? Like, it's not normal. Normal people don't go through having their guns pointed at their head that often. And then Allison's like, well, what if I get involved and act as a liaison between Billy and Brooke? And Amanda's like, is this some newfound maternal instinct? Allison, you were only her stepmother for 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Zing. I don't know. I do. I do. I. I have a little. I don't like Brooke, and she annoys me. But like when I think, when she first came on the show and she got to be a little scheming Brooke with that little twinkle in her eye, making mm-hmm. mischief. I do miss that Brooke. Yeah, she was. She was fun. She was. She was kind of like a, a meaner version of Sydney. Then. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I have to say the character of Brooke. I'm. If this is the end, I'm sad. Because she had so much potential to be a great character. And they just, they wrote her into a corner of being this whiny, petulant little brat. And they, yeah, I don't, I don't know where she would go if not float in the pool for eternity. Well, and I don't really buy in terms of the greater story arc. Like, I get that she's taken a lot of hits um, with her daddy passing away and then, Allison marrying him prior to his death and various other things but like she's shown a shocking degree of adaptability and scheming powers in the past and I have a hard time believing even if she has lost her money that she wouldn't come up with some better way out of this than what she's coming up with I don't know like because she's quite clever I mean she's proven she's not like at Amanda's level but she's been able to like really outfox a lot of people so far. And so 
I don't know. Maybe like her contract was running out. Like she was only supposed to be there for a certain number of episodes or something, and they had to get it over with. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know because they moved her to the main cast. She's on the credits. She's oh yeah, she's on the credits. Yeah, but from here, Kristen Davis does just fine because from here she goes back to Darren Star um, for Sex in the City. Yeah, she's gonna be fine. She's fine. I did like, oh, one more thing. Uh, Brooke comes into work and interrupts Amanda and Allison to ask, what's the hold up with her paycheck? And Amanda's like, you don't get paid because you already drew in advance. Mm-hmm. And Brooke's like, can I cash up my vacation days? And Amanda says, you don't have enough vacation time to go to the movies. And I wrote, Amanda is very on top of HR matters at this organ. Like, she knows how many <laughs> have. Do you have any sick days left? She's like, no, you can't. You don't have any time. <laughs> go to work. Listen, you get sued for sexually harassing one employee that you fuck in the conference room and you get your HR stuff in order from then on. <laughs> Title nine. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right, well, Gail, did you have any other uh, examples of either art or trash that you would like to point out? I think we've covered not quite a bit of it. I don't think I have anything else. I have questions, but... Let's hear the questions. Um, who the fuck is Bobby? Oh, my God. (laughs) Oh, my God. Do you want me to try this? Take it, Mary. So, Amanda used to live in Florida. She came from Florida, and she was married to Jack Perry, Bobby's Mm -hmm. brother. They were named after the Kennedy brothers. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. they are part of a mafia family, as we saw in this episode. Um, so she and Jack were married. Jack was very physically abusive. So Amanda faked her own death and ran away to California and got a job at D&D or something like that. Jack finds her this season and comes and because Brooke goes to Florida because she's snooping into Amanda's past. It's a long story. Um, he follows Brooke back to Los Angeles and finds Amanda. Uh, shenanigans ensue. He falls over a balcony and goes in a coma and eventually dies. And so then brother Bobby is sent by their daddy from the mafia to come kill Amanda when it is revealed that he and Amanda had a love affair when they were young. And so now they have fallen back into each other's arms. Um, And as we see at the start of this episode, his daddy has appeared and is not happy about it. Mm -hmm. I think it's important to note Bobby Parisi single-handedly won the first Gulf War. Um, and it, it is helpful to know in the context of future American history that hasn't happened in the context of the show yet. Um, he doesn't take a job to completion the way Billy is with uh, video dating because had he just finished the, the Gulf War and finished Saddam Hussein, we wouldn't have had to go back with George W. Bush. But he didn't kill Amanda Woodward like he was supposed to. He just said, I'll take care of her. And he's taking care of her. That's true. So that's who Bobby Parisi is. Are you intrigued? Do you want to learn more? I'm okay. Okay. Did you have other questions? I have my, I have other judgments, but I guess no other questions. Ooh, judgments. Like judgments. Now, this is usually a judgment-free zone, but I guess we'll allow it. <laughs> um... 
where do I want to judge? Sorry, I'm just reading through my notes. See, I, I, I think a lot of it's judging Brooke. Mm. Um, I really liked her line. <laughs> He's not a good caregiver at home. Why would he be any different at work? <laughs> and then followed almost immediately with complaining, why are you so mean to me? <laughs> like, this this girl just stirred the pot and then got upset that it got stirred. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, I liked that. Um, where else am I judging Brooke? I... <laughs> I did. I did like when she ripped the cord of the jukebox out. <laughs> um, that was great. My father's no, widow is a great this episode. Line. Wow. Yeah. It was a long episode. I mean, I watched it over three days. Jesus. I just really like the line, "My father's widow." <laughs> um. Wonderful. Oh, there's so many things that Brooke did. Well, Um, we should note, Amanda has turned over all of her assets to Bobby Parisi. I was going to bring that up. Um, I really like that she she was like, here's my $200. Maybe you can (laughs) buy a share. And he was like, that's not going to be helpful at all and then 40 <laughs> fucking minutes later in this episode he, just he let comes the time back go and he's like wow i was actually 200 dollars short all along <laughs> it was not 200 dollars gail i think gail's right i think it was 200 dollars wow. i did notice and this was not like many things on the show consistent throughout the episode but there were certain shots at the hospital that were a different entrance than the one we've always seen with the really old ambulance pulling up. Mm. And but it wasn't every scene where kidney kidney Kimberly <laughs> got carjacked. That mm-hmm. was at a different entrance than where she normally parks right by that other entrance with the really old ambulance. So are they trying to establish that there's a new entrance and just forgot to use that footage or what? I don't know. I don't know we can watch for that, but I also noticed when Kimberly got carjacked, she continued to have Rockstar parking. She like, gets right. Everybody gets to park right at the door. <laughs> well, I think this is it. Uh, Mary, did you have any other highlights you want to hit from this fantastic episode? No, I just really want to emphasize that this was a very long episode. Let and it go. Also, I'm I'm really not happy about this garage situation. I would like someone to reach out and justify this garage to me, please. Thank you. I, again, the best explanation is it came with Shooters. That's, and I don't, I'm not saying that's a good explanation. That's but just... it's not at Shooters. It's at the apartment complex. Because otherwise, I... why would Joe be parking in it? It makes Cause... no sense. Again, it's not a good explanation. It's just the best I, we could come up with. But listen, listeners, uh, that's Christopher, Kamala, Elizabeth. If you've got a better explanation, please let us hear it. Let us hear it. I don't. I think they just made it up. 
this week. I think they. Of need course, to- they just made it up. Yeah, but I need them to own that. I need them to own it. One of the writers of this show needs to reach out and say, "Yep, we just made it up for this episode." Mary, and- they don't even own the rights to the music in this show. What? They don't even own the rights to the music anymore. What That's why that- we. With the show, they, with this, they don't own the show. They don't own the writing. They're not going to own it. They're going to let it go. They're going to pretend they had nothing to do with it. I'm going to start writing letters to whatever company owns Melrose Place now. <laughs> <laughs> whatever giant media conglomerate owns it now. <laughs> can, oh, can I say one more thing? Yeah. I get that Billy's going through a divorce, oh, but God. he's a real fucking asshole. Like he was just. <laughs> in a dick and i'm like who is attracted to this mouth breathing like there are scenes where he's supposed to be acting like he's into allison and it's like when they smear peanut butter on a dog's face so it licks like so he'll kiss someone like i'm like what what, why are you you've been on the show for like four seasons why is this as hard for you get get it together hello lovers oh god Are you tired of those sickeningly sweet Valentine's Day cards that makes you want to gag faster than Alan? Dodging questions about his love life, I mean. Oh, boy. See what I did there? Yeah, Yeah, I I did. Yeah, It was a a throat joke. Well, fear not, because Alan's secret Valentine's Day cards are the perfect way to express your affection without revealing to anyone else that you are in a relationship with your roommates. <laughs> Alan's Awkward's Valentine's Day cards. The perfect way to say I love you without anyone ever knowing. <laughs> Mary, you think Hallmark. You think those bitches at Hallmark. And I when I say bitches, I'm talking you know who you know who's writing the cards at Hallmark. They're in their 50 they're in their 50s. Their hair's in tight curls. Tight curls. Ooh, painfully. Painfully tight. They got a bright red lip, but not like a tailor lip. No. No. That ship is it. And their nails are painted, but not long. Yeah. Yeah. And absolute motherfucking toe-rag-ass bitches. They are mean. They are (laughs) nasty. They are, you wouldn't want to you wouldn't want to serve them at a restaurant. Oh, they're sending the plate back to the kitchen. They're, they're sending the plate back. They're not tipping at all, and they're not being clear in their order of with with eight special orders added to it. They're leaving off the ninth one that said, "Oh, I didn't want fucking rice." Yeah, she said no onions, but she meant no shallots. Yeah, <laughs> that bitch and her shallots. <laughs> Fucking shallots. <laughs> These goddamn Hallmark hoes are out there masking their nastiness with their sugary sweet verbs and writings on fancy paper cards. Oh, the nouns they use, adjectives. <laughs> Adverbs, Ugh. whatever that means. God damn it. Oh, no. Alan's awkward Valentine's Day cards finally at long last, competitors to tear down the Hallmark sluts. All right, I like it. Now, listen, is that because our good friends at Bald Guy Greetings couldn't get the job done? Yes. Although still try to use promo code Melrose. Those cards are hysterical. 
Do they have any Valentine's cards? I think, yeah, yes, they do. They do, in fact. I've never looked. Actually, it's, I'm going to be honest, based on the date of our recording, it may be too late for me for this year, but maybe next year. To, to buy one? Yeah. Mm. Well, wow. I don't think they get here in time for me in my particular case, since we are recording this on the day before Valentine's Day. Correct, correct. But let me let me tell you, don't don't jump, don't get too hippity hoppity over this because I don't know that you're going to want a bald guy greetings Valentine's Day card when you could have. Oh, oh, that's right. And Alan's awkward Valentine's Day card. Listen, listen. Even a bald guy greetings isn't paying for this spot, so we're going to move right on. <laughs> okay. The, the check is coming from Alan's awkward Valentine's Day cards. The calls are coming from inside the house. Yeah. So can I can I tell you about some of these cards? Can I just tell you about some of the pros written on them? What if I said no? <laughs> you can't. Roses are red. Violets are blue. Your cooking's atrocious, but hey, I still love you. Oh, that sounds like what a lot of men's yeah. lives. See, you would you would you would get the card and you would appreciate it, right? Because he said, I love you. But you're not going to show this card to anyone because it says your cooking's atrocious. Yeah, you put that in a drawer somewhere. Correct. Hence, awkward and keeping it on the DL. Yeah, you don't want people knowing. No. And as you know, Mary, I am a firm supporter of closeted gay men just kind of struggling through until they're ready to come out. Yeah, you love it. Yeah. Okay, how about this one? My dear, your jokes are stale. Your fashion's passe. But you're still the one I want to annoy every day. Oh, it rhymes. It rhymes all the time. He's a poet and didn't even know it. But again, are you putting this card up on your desk? No. You no, put ma'am. it. ma'am. Where do you put it? Where you... I didn't hear that. In, in the desk. In the drawer. In the desk. In the drawer. Not on the desk. In the desk. In, not on. Yeah, see, that one little letter, that one vowel switch changes everything. Fucking vowels, am I right? Ugh. Oh, I, and they think they're so important, right? Like, I'm sorry. If you're something that a Y can pretend to be, you're not so important. I before E, except after C. Get a grip. Yeah, calm your fucking tits, bitch. <laughs> <sighs> Are you ready for another one? Yes. Honey, your singing's atrocious. Your driving's a fright. But I'll still be here every single night. That sounds like a threat. <laughs> but I had this bill for a long time. So. <laughs> I feel like that's the card. You know who got that card is Kimberly uh, before she came back from the dead. <laughs> that makes sense. That makes do we, sense. Do we think Michael's a good singer? Has he sung? He sung a little bit on the show here and there, right? He did a little <laughs> when he was trying to make back up with Jane. He did a little like scat, a little scatting. Maybe he's like going the pasta loony rope doody once in the kitchen. That was cute. Yeah, okay, so we know he's not a good singer. Well, I wouldn't say he's not a good he's he's not a great singer, maybe, but we don't know. We don't have a lot of evidence. Would we say it's atrocious? I think what we could do is book a cameo and ask him to sing for it. <laughs> we can say with confidence his driving is a fright. Well, that poor baby's breath in that back seat, that really took a pounding. The, he blew up the flower card. The flower uh, ban. He killed Kimberly. I don't think that blew up. I think that just crashed. He got in his car in his garage, which had always been there, and almost died. 
Have we seen Michael have a good experience in a car? He was hit by a car. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He can't even walk near these fucking things. Yeah. He crashed his car and kind of killed Kimberly that other time. Kind of killed Kimberly. Other truck car. Um, well, he did drive up to the honeymoon with Sydney without any incidents, I think. He did do I mean, four attempted murder. Yeah, but it wasn't related to the drag. <laughs> Darling, your dancing's appalling. Your taste is so bland. But hey, let's stick together, hand in hand. Oh. Again, again. You're not you're not showing that off to the ladies in the office. I'm a little worried because these seem like cards that you would actually get. To. <laughs> I'm starting to worry. <laughs> so this Valentine's Day, listeners. As this comes out the week after Valentine's Day. Well, you can get ready for next year. Ditch the cliches and embrace the awkwardness that is Alan's awkward Valentine's Day cards. Because nothing says I love you like a card that makes you question everything. (laughs) You know what's great about Alan? Nothing. He's a closeted fucking freak that needs to keep his goddamn hands off my man. I mean, off of Matt. One was that the wrong answer? <laughs> you know what, Alan? The, the nice part about Alan's Alan's card is that it represents a real a real kind of relationship, not one of these schmoopy Hallmark deals mm. where oh you're great, I'm great, everything's great. No, Alan, he he kind of pretends to tell it like it is, and that's great. <laughs> kind of pretend. Do you know what else about these Hallmark bitches? The perfume, you know. They've got the bottle with the little squeezy puffer thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, like gra- right? Yeah, like grandmas, like grandmas have. And they, they hold it out from a distance to spray it on themselves. And there's just something they love. It's almost like like a fidget, like a fucking fidget toy. And they just keep pumping it into the air. They don't oh. care about the ozone at all. No, they don't care about the ozone because it's cold where they live today. So climate change must be fake. <laughs> fake news. Fake news. God. Uh, where where again can I get these cards? It's only available at Hallmark stores. Oh, well, you know, that's handy because there's a lot of those. Actually, there aren't anymore. <laughs> no, but they, they did, you know, listen, they caught on to uh, Ellen's Awkward Valentine's cards coming for their business. And yeah. so they signed an exclusivity deal and they only, they take the cards and they put them only in the back of the store. <laughs> so you are unlikely to find them. See, that's the thing. Hallmark knows how to lay out a floor plan. They get those keepsake ornaments front and center, bitch. You want lion from the Wizard of Oz exclusive? You got to walk into the store. You can't go online, asshole. Get to that. Get your fucking ass in that store because we got it. We got you. Someone's got to smell my perfume. They probably sell the perfume right there at the Hallmark store. They sell the perfume. And you know what? That bitch behind the counter, she sees you coming and she starts puffing it on right away. Did you know my mom used to work at the Hallmark store here in town? (laughs) I didn't, but also I did somehow, you know? Uh, My mom has great stories about working at the Hallmark store in my town. um, Because she worked with these two other ladies and all of them, like they liked working together, but they hated their boss who owned the store. And Mm -hmm. I feel safe saying that because I don't think anyone's going to hear this. Um, Also, I think that lady might die. (laughs) (laughs) I'd love to imagine though a scenario, Mary... 
where one of our few listeners is the former owner of the Hallmark store in your town. And only because we brought in Gail, do they know who we are? Um, anyway, um, they, so they, they hated the music that the lady played in the store. Cause it was always like, it was like those CDs that people's moms bought in the nineties that were like, mm-hmm. it was very like Michael Bolton-y mm-hmm. or like, earth sounds of like whales and wolves with orchestral music and like they all hated it and so like anytime the boss wasn't there they would put like toby not toby Keith, alan jackson and they would walk around in the store and like if this she worked there during I'm, we are digressing i apologize but she worked there during the beanie baby craze oh dear god how did she make it oh my god and there was this one lady who I will not name who lived in this town who was a total fucking bitch about Beanie Babies. And she would come in every day asking when they were getting more. And my mom's coworker, who is, she's like, she's so tiny. And she's just full of righteous rage. But she's super sweet. And so she people walk away and she'd be like, that fucking Beanie bitch. <laughs> I think of her every time I see her. It's so funny. Okay. Beanie. Anyway, that it's really great that Hallmark made a deal with Alan to get It does. Work. It does. And and each each here's the thing. Here's the thing. Each Alan's Awkward Valentine's Day card comes with one uh beanie baby, which is really an investment in your future. Do you ever see that meme of people in court in divorce court like the 90s and they're splitting up their beanie babies? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> what a dream. Did oh. you ever hear about the divorce that was caused by 9/11? No. Uh, there was a guy having an affair at his wife. Uh, he wasn't in the trade center that day. Because oh. he was he was in the apartment with his <laughs> with his paramour. And miracle. Well, <laughs> <laughs> and she finally got through to him because the cell phones weren't working. And she's oh. panicked and she said, Oh my god, where are you? The buildings, the towers had collapsed already. And he said, I'm in the office. <laughs> That's dark. Oh my god. <laughs> That's terrible. Oh. <clears throat> Boy, look at us. We managed to cram a Beanie Baby reference in 9-11. Oh, shit. Snopes. I just checked. Snopes said this was a legend. It's a great legend, though. Do you know what? Let's cut this fact check part out. Let's let our people believe. Yeah, I think people, like, like just like the X-Files, people want to believe. People want to believe. Happy Valentine's Day, Alan. Wherever you are. We won't tell. We won't ask. So, wait, seriously, how how long does this show go on? How many episodes are there? <laughs> Man, I told you this, right? So it goes to season seven of the original run, but then there's the, re- the reboot season. So there's how many reboot seasons? Just the one so far. So far. Okay. But there's also, but then Mary, there's the the Amazon has the true story of Melrose Place movie that we should cover. Oh God, how long? Yeah, and and uh, Models Inc has to be covered too. Wait, what the hell is Models Inc? It, it's a two season spinoff. Of what? What do they? Of, of Melrose Place from the lady from Dynasty was on it, I think. The lady from Dynasty, my God, this was like a whole industry. And I do think 90210 to get to understand where this show came from is probably worth exploring. 
I, I don't know if I agree with that. <laughs> and then when Allison left, she went to Allie McBeal. Does it have anything to do with the contents of Melrose Place? I just feel like, how, do you really want to be an expert in this or not? I mean, I think you know the answer to that. <laughs> okay, so we're in for all of it. Oh, God. 